All right. Welcome to the Eden Ideal podcast, everyone. We have an awesome guest with us today, Pamela Bula. We'll give her a moment to introduce herself in a second. Um, but this episode, we're carrying on our conversation on education and empowerment. Um, in the last set of conversations, we just explored a broad thing on religion versus science and we kind of talked about what the bible is actually there for and what it isn't there for bit controversial bit interesting don't know where we actually landed on all on all of that i don't know what what, what did did we actually come to a conclusion on any of that did we all were we all happy with that I think the science versus religion part, we we, we came to a conclusion, right, guys? <laughs> I think we did. I think I think the conclusion was like science and religion. It's not like they're very much compatible, and mm. we shouldn't see it as science as a separate thing from religion because science is there to help explore the world and religion is there for something completely different and it's 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 inappropriate to actually compare the two it's kind of what i remember anyways um but we we then really started talking about like our purpose as christians when jesus not even just as christians as human beings when god created us he he said go out and subdue the earth and what else does that mean than to go and fix the things that are happening in the earth what what else is it than to overcome the problems which would require wisdom and we talked about the fact that like wisdom is a key component of what we need as human beings to actually be able to fulfill the role that god has put us on this planet for and we saw that in the case of solomon where he asked for wisdom he actually then the bible says he was he was, you know, studying animals and studying plants and he became the wisest guy and people used to come to him for answers. People used to pro- pose problems to him and he had the answers. Like, I think uh, uh, someone who has decided to follow Christ has a responsibility to, you know, embrace that and take on that role to solve the problems around them and to be a blessing to people. But it seems like that's not really what we're seeing in the world around us. So, yeah, we're going to carry on that discussion today. The first half, we might start off light a bit a bit more general, just to kind of ease our way in, get some views, get Pamela talking a bit. And then in the second half, we want to hear about Pamela and the amazing um, charity that she started, because I think this what she's doing is right up our alley. Um, before we do that, Pamela, would you like to introduce yourself? Of course. So, again, I'm Pamela. Oh gosh, what else? What else do I say about myself? I am now a mum of a 17-month-old and um, I started Revive Congo when I was 19 years old. It's all about educating and equipping young people between the ages of 8 to 21 in the DRC and in the UK. And I also come from a a human rights background where I studied law um, and I went on to do my master's in international human rights and humanitarian law. So that's me. Oh, nice. cool. Nice. Cool. She, she used to be friends with Bim back in the day, bro. You yes. Know that. Yes. Bim. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uni days. Uni days. Uni days. Good memories. You Good used to memories. call me Pam's Touch, remember? 
Oh, yeah. Because, guys, <laughs> listen, yeah. How can cook, like... Listen, like, seriously? Oh. Like, okay. She can cook. Okay. I remember there was this one time where you made me these chicken legs. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Oh. My mum still talks about those chickens that I used to do at oh, Eva. Wow. She used to come and visit really? me. Really? Yeah. I try to smell some awesome. What do we need to do to make you a friend of the friend of the show? Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like she's already a friend. She's already a friend. Yeah. Okay. Really a friend. Does that mean she's we can expect some chicken? Of course. You know, of course. If your mum's still of talking course. about it five years later, my mum's still talking about it. My like, husband enjoys the chicken. Oh my goodness. <laughs> hey. Nice one. What were you? What, 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 what were you guys like at uni? I'm trying to. I'm trying to picture it. Oh God. oh God! Cam is very eccentric. Like her and um, I'll say her Yolante. partner in crime, Yolante. They were just like two peas in a pod. Like nice. just full of energy, full of creative ideas. I remember when they were like doing because um, we had um, we were part of a Christian society at uni called JAF. Stands for Jesus and Life Fellowship. And we used to put on productions like every Easter and Christmas, and they would be in charge of basically the whole production. So like the script, um, doing the rehearsals, putting it on um, and just like plotting and planning. And they, I just really saw them grow and just be so creative, but they were very eccentric, very funny. Um, yeah. Just very. Okay. I miss uni <laughs> now. Oh. <laughs> I miss uni too. Honestly. Good Great. memories. Oh, Pam, I hope you bring that bring that energy to the podcast because we want some lols as well. Of course. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll definitely give you lols. Don't worry. Definitely. <laughs> okay, should we get into the conversation then? Um, I kind of wanted to ask you guys, what do you guys think of the state of kind of just us right now in the 21st century? Um, Christians, like, do... Like I was listening, reading an article that was saying like we seem to have so much more access to information, yet there seems to be a growth in ignorance and misinformation at the same time. And people just are kind of allowing themselves to be dumbed down. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, as Christians or just generally as a generally generally but then i would i would bring kind of christians into that as well like let's talk about it from a christian perspective because i i feel like right now is a is a weird age where misinformation is used as an intentional tool mm. specifically mm. and people just say things without fact checking or like putting any science behind it, Dwayne. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what are you about? I check my situation. You guys just are oblivious to the the knowledge. That We're I a little bit behind. Guys. We're a bit behind. Yeah, yeah. that's it. But yeah, like okay, yeah, like well, uh, well uh, uh, give an example, like politics, mm. right? Like uh, I don't know. I want to say black people as well. Like sometimes people think that we don't engage as much in kind of things like brexit for instance or understanding what's happening around us i i I don't know is this something you you would agree with disagree with what do you think i don't think i agree with that (laughs) um i think i guess like around like the circle i have anyway circle of friends or like my 
ethnic minority friends like we we are very or we were very engaged in that conversation and still are very engaged in the topic of like politics um however i do agree with you that we are definitely in an era of fake news um and there is a lot of i think it's that thing where like you have a little bit of information and you run with it and you build your entire case on that level of information whereas there's a whole world of other topics or areas to consider and to allow you to make a fully informed decision or opinion on something. And I think that's what people lack is that we just see something on the news or we see something on social media and we take that as gospel and we don't do our due diligence. I think that is what is causing the ignorance that we now see in the world. Are you sure that you, because like the the prevailing view is that young people do not engage in some of these things no, as much I as think, they do I think like that's wrong i feel at the moment there is quite a lot of young people because well there's the the young people that have their their eyes opened realizing that this is their world and they don't want the old man to to deal with it anymore and then you've got the the young man that just wants to be on road in it and that doesn't really <laughs> care about the the way that the world is going because I've seen it from both sides um, when the whole entire um, Brexit thing was happening um, at the time I was working on doors and I would have the conversation with the the commuter that is working inside of London and he's like fully on it he's like no we need to make sure we do this that vote stay vote stay and often then you get the person that as you say, the the person that's just seen the conversation on Twitter and he's and he's just like, Oh, um, yeah, I'm gonna leave because if I vote leave, then we get to keep all our jobs and nothing happens. And it's like I don't think your eyes have been open to the actual fact of what's gonna happen if we do leave or if we do stay. If there might be good things in staying, there might be good things in leaving, but the overall picture of it is going to mess up. Why try and fix something that's not really broken, if you know what I mean? And we're not going to have this whole yeah. Yeah, conversation yeah. again. That conversation. <laughs> right there, yeah. <laughs> We've already had a conversation yeah, yeah, on that yeah, one. I no, I, I, stand, I stand corrected then. I'm, I think that's encouraging. If you guys, from what I'm hearing, you guys are saying like more and more, people are recognizing that like they need to i also think that we live in london and that skews everything in my opinion (laughs) i think you're saying everyone outside london is dumb i'm not i'm not saying that i am not saying that (laughs) i'm really not i'm not that person there's no south northern divide in my mind but as in like I would say your first point about fake news is a really big thing. Mm. So although I do think we are engaging, like me personally with my, I've got separate kind of groups of friends and me personally, there's some friends that I can talk about politics with. There's some friends that don't know anything that's happening apart from um, the information that they share on Facebook or on Instagram that they actually haven't gone to check whether it's, true or false if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so even yesterday someone was telling me that now schools are able to um 
keep your children in the premises for 14 days if they feel like they have COVID symptoms. And I was a bit like, hmm. Um, I, but the funny thing is, I didn't do my due diligence. So I spoke to my sister and I was like, yeah, have you heard about, you know, <laughs> you know they're going to be doing this. And my sister was like, what are you talking about, Pam? Like, they're allowed to tell you to, you know, take your child out. Mm. and you know tell them to quarantine but they can't keep your child in and i was like pam you haven't even done your own research you're now going to give fake news so i think the problem is is that because people are were forever on social media we just look at things basically like mm. look at um what's what someone is sharing mm. and then we just share it ourselves without actually looking into it and doing our research not everyone but yeah, they're in really- anti-post yeah, yes. <laughs> there is a proportion Gosh. of us that are are basically doing what our parents are doing, which is, oh, there's something happening. Let me broadcast it, even if it's not yes. on WhatsApp. I'm just sharing it without actually doing our yeah. own research. Yeah. I I don't know why that whole five G thing was happening with coronavirus. <laughs> I just don't know how that became a thing. I don't Someone like send it to the right like, auntie. and like it it. just like it got to a point where like major pastors were preaching it on the pulpit and i'm like how how has this got to this like it was so awkward when they had to apologize afterwards for (laughs) they didn't do their research research. the problem is we don't do our research and i think the reason being is because I think as a generation and as as Christians in this time, we are very much distracted. Like we are more concerned of like our appearance, our physical appearance, like gymming, you know, showing that we're eating well, doing other things. And we're less concerned about things that we should actually be really concerned about. Like politics, as Christians, we need to be concerned about it even if you're not going to be a prime minister no one's saying that you need to be a prime minister or, a, or an mp but we do need to be aware about we, we need to be aware of what's going on in our world if that makes sense yeah. and i think that's the that's the big thing the big issue definitely and i will say with research as well it's important that you don't just depend on one source of yeah. news or information yeah. because that in itself can be skewed like you do have um different news outlets that are skewed towards a political a certain political party or policy mm. so you may not be getting the full richness of the information yep. you need so you do need to look at different sources of information to kind of verify okay is this actually true or is this a bit you know is this a bit skewed like for example in the um the black lives matter movement i went to the protest yeah and for 90% of the day, it was fine. It was peaceful, collaborative. Everyone was, you know, everyone was there for the cause. But what did a certain media outlet show? Chaos, riots, a horse yeah. bolting down the street. But again, it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> That was a funny post, though. <laughs> that was a funny. It was funny. That was, it was funny. I won't lie. They were showing yeah. a very small, minute part of that day. And just skewed mm-hmm. the whole narrative and took it away from, you know, togetherness, you know, fighting for freedom and the whole mm. like Black Lives Matter movement because they wanted to present a certain... So point being, like, you need to have various sources of, of information mm. to do that research. And just off But of I that, think that... Oh, it's gone. No, go on. No, no, you go on, ladies <laughs> first. <laughs> no, I was going to say, and just off of that, like, um, as well as engaging in 
your own research online I think it's really important where we can whatever issue we are trying to learn about or discuss to actually talk to people who are affected by it um, and have first-hand experience of what people are going through or people's opinions Um, even if you're like there is always something to learn from someone else usually Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) no like do you get what I mean so I think it's so important um, because just by educating yourself and people's experiences as a person you begin to grow you begin to expand your mind as well Um, so I think yeah just adding on to that it's it's an important thing to do yeah yeah i i like this example because i think the the whole black lives matter movement and what's just happened recently is a prime example to show how much power there is when we inform ourselves and we kind of get the message Mm -hmm. out there and make sure that people know things and people get involved in in that i think when you actually all come together like there's been real tangible changes since that whole movement started and hopefully it's still carrying on now. So I think it really shows that actually when a when people, I think the climate change conversation is another one mm-hmm. where a lot of people in the absence of the governments and stuff that aren't actually pushing these, this agenda forward, you've got 16 year old girl that's like leading the march and people are educating themselves separately. I think that's one of the examples of a conversation where I feel like the establishment and the leadership have have been on the other side but it's people have been educating themselves grassroots and pushing that agenda forward and i feel like it's so important that we especially now as young people as the future generation whatever you want to call it that we do more of that because there's so many things that are messed up in this world and this is how we change it we have such an opportunity with the internet we have such an opportunity with social media but but then you have the unfortunate side of this that as much as that opportunity has increased the opportunity for fake news and all that Mm. rubbish has also increased so it's just about learning how to kind of wade through the mess but yeah i I think i've become really on this thing of education is power and we need to we need to work that i think there is both a domestic element for like where we are and what education can do for us here but then also later on i want us to talk about like what education can do internationally in some parts mm. of the world and that's why we're really keen to talk to pamela about that but let's let's keep it at home for a second like i just i i personally think that right now there is a we're on a I think we talked about it last week. We are on like the verge of a new enlightenment Mm. and like there's so much social, social change about to happen and we all really need to educate ourselves. I think a lot of people are actually quite worried about some of this stuff. Like it spans so many different conversations like sexuality race gender stuff like so much is changing Mm -hmm. and there is so much misinformation still out there like especially from i just wanted to ask you guys how do you guys kind of deal with this from a christian perspective because a lot of the things that are coming and the way society is progressing and a lot of the social change seems to be kind of or it seems to butt against some of the traditional traditionally held christian views that we've had 
So how do we how do we keep pushing that forward while still making sure that we're still upholding some of those ideals? Can you give an example? Okay, I'll give I'll give a, a like like a gender equality, right? Like I think there are still some churches that want to uphold kind of gender roles and this is what family needs to look like but society on the other hand is moving in a complete different direction complete equality what you can do i can do and all of that and sometimes i just want are are we how do you do you guys ever find yourselves in conflict with some of those conversations how do you feel about that or like you know freedom of sexuality but then at the same time in the church we're still i don't know i'm not articulating my questions very well today <laughs> no you yeah i get what you're saying um but um as i look at it can can a body have two heads can a body have two heads yeah. it's like no you have to be <laughs> one in charge of the other and you cannot do that so I, no, i'm lying i'm joking i'm joking i'm joking um, <laughs> I was so confused. I had no idea where he was going with that. Me yeah. too. Yeah, no, no, I'm lying, I'm lying, I'm lying. Uh, um, gender equality and all of that. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm like, I feel that the world, the way that the world is moving, as it's evolving in it, so it has the gender equality thing has to go with it and in the um in churches from when i was growing up there was always that you had the the pastor that was male and in pretty much the whole of the church across the board all the pastors were male up until later part of where i was growing up and it you had like the first female pastor and i was like raw that's something different like i've never had a female it always there were never a, a female pastor it was always an elder like a female elder mm-hmm. in the church that would preach i was never given the title of a pastor but that's that's something that's changed and i feel that the church does change with the equality thing along the line but there's still some that they want to keep in in place if you know what i mean yeah i think that's a really good good like point to raise because it seems like on things like that the church eventually catches yeah. up, but yeah. they're not. But we, at the point. but they push and kick and fight yeah. all the way through. But eventually, we get like in a hundred years' time, like when it's just unfathomable that women weren't ever allowed to be pastors. Yeah. The church will be on board and will like kind of be erasing. It's when the, the legacy of dies off, and then uh, it's like literally as a generation dies off, the times do change. And then you get the new but that doesn't, wave of I, I don't, That doesn't happen. But that doesn't happen, like, without people actively... Fighting for it. F- fighting for those yeah. kind of things. And See, I, 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 this really conflicts, conflicts me because I don't think it should be a case of um, we're waiting for certain generations to become woke in this area because... The Bible is in support of gender equality. I mean, there's the Bible does not um, support men devaluing women 
or men trampling all over women or men, you know, silencing the voices of women. Like even in, um, and I'll read the scripture in Acts um, chapter 2 um, from verse 17. Um, it says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions, your old men dream dreams. Um, I'll stop there. I think that verse is an example of there's no... There's no restriction of, oh, it has to be a man that's preaching and the woman has Mm. to sit down and be silent. No, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all. So the question is, Mm -hmm. are you just willing to to receive God's spirit? There's no... And I I think um, the, the very fact that some people in the church still have an issue with, you know, you have to fit into a certain box or a certain category because of your gender... It just shows that we're not really latching on to what Christ wants. But it's the fact because that you need to get Yeah, that's it. It's tradition. Yeah. It's trying to it's trying to break yeah. the uncle from being that guy and being like, Oh it's power. The women it's should the power be struggle. There and the men should be there. Yeah. yeah. And it's pride but, but I at also, the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, but I also think it's it's an element of just also miseducation. Mm-hmm. Like People sometimes don't educate themselves on what the Bible says. Yeah. Do you like, think so? They, yeah, I, mean, I do I, think I, I think so. there's I an element of that, but I also... Yeah, it's not even that you might be educated on it. I think it's like, you, even if people are trying to educate you, because the system benefits you as it is, and it's the same thing we see with race, isn't it? With the whole mm. BLM thing. Like Because the system benefits you, even if someone presents you with the truth, you're not willing to listen to it. So it goes fundamentally back to a thing of the heart. But but thing is, I know I know that certain churches, pastors, leaders that do genuinely have a good heart and want to do the right thing, but I just feel like they are ignorant about how to even approach the Bible. Sorry, sir, I didn't mean to cut you. I don't think it's ignorance. I literally think it's that sometimes people put tradition above religion and their belief. Like, even with our parents, for instance, um, sometimes, I'm not saying my mom does this, but a lot of the times you'll find that, yes, the Bible says this and that, but if tradition says something else, they'll go with tradition because mm-hmm. they'll go with what they were taught, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And now people mix and match. So even with this whole issue of of women not talking if you go back it's a tradition and it's a culture thing as well especially with with um us africans i don't know if everyone here is african but obviously with africans a lot of time oh sorry yeah (laughs) with with africans um duane not everyone but a lot of the times you'll find that there's this whole thing of women have their position men have their position you know as a woman you're submissive you keep quiet so it's kind of the same thing that spills into the church as well where mm. that's probably why they're so hesitant to add women to the to the front to preach because it's like no you're supposed to be silent be quiet you know do the bible study no do the the um, sunday schools and that's it do you know what i mean yeah but yeah <clears throat> so i guess kind of like what what i'm saying is within the church within society i just think people who have started becoming i guess woke 
for lack of a better word, I really do think we have responsibility to actually push this envelope forward and push these discussions forward. Um, you know, that conversation we had on the 21st century church and if we're doing it right like now we're having that conversation with our pastors and our leaders and the whole youth youth group is actually going to pose those questions to the pastors because i think it's it's time that we actually started to try and push the envelope i do think that we do not convert we say all of these things but we do not actively then convert it into real change and i think that's kind of where the empowerment bit i'm trying to kind of say that this information that we have is genuinely like power like we need to use it to try and change the direction of things um were you gonna say something i was gonna say can i ask so are we i just wanted to know your take on it so is our take that both um genders are equal that is my question both genders should be equal in, in every area, see, that's, so that's I, I think tough. there's a that, that's a so I think there's I think though, I think it? I think there's a I think it's a different I think no I think both genders are equal in terms of value and in terms of worth in yes. terms of the way God looks at you in terms of God the way God's gonna treat you you're completely equal but any society can then decide to kind of I don't know distribute roles like a family unit. Like in, I don't think any family unit, the man and the woman are doing the exact same thing. I don't think actually that's actually useful. I actually don't think that is complementary and would yeah. actually get a good outcome. So if that's what we're asking, do they have? Do they always have to do the exact same thing? Are they blessed with all the same skills, all the same knowledge and understanding? Not even knowledge and understanding, like natural talents. Mm-hmm. Then no, I would say. But in terms of value, power. Like, I don't think the man is has power over the woman, personally. Okay, yeah. Because I think that's where we're bumping heads, because I think there's this big thing now with, especially with women, like, we want our rights and everything. And I think we're bumping heads with church, because, like, for example, for instance, when it comes to marriage, now there's some women, I'm, like, I'm not saying my opinion, but there's some women that believe that um, in a marriage that they're equal to... Um, their husband i'm not saying you're not just saying but they believe that you know if if um i'm expected to do this then my husband is expected to do that as well so then they're now bumping heads with church when their church is telling them no actually as a woman it's your duty to do this and that and that it's your husband's duty to do this and that and that if that makes sense so i think there's this big mm-hmm. i don't know if you've um, are we bringing oh, yeah, yeah, into that day Huh? Pardon? Huh? Bring are we bringing in? tradition back into that? The church is saying it's your duty to do this and it's your that's duty the thing. to do that. I think that's where the line goes. What do you guys think? Let's actually, let's put it out on the table. Can I hear what you guys think? Let's, <laughs> let's know. Oh, people, people say this, people say that. Let's hear what people are saying. Okay, I think in the area of um, opportunity, like Tolly said, opportunities, like your value, like your core, your essence, yes, we are equal. Like, no human being is more valuable than another human being. I think on that level, whatever gender you are, we're equal. Now, in um, different um, settings, society settings, I think we have certain traits and roles and characteristics that are um, that are suited to our genders. That doesn't make us unequal, 
but it just means that we are taking advantage of what God has given to us. So for example, a female has a feminine energy that she brings to her relationship. A man has a masculine energy that he brings to his relationship as a man is known to be strong to, to lead Wait, the Rachel's home, face to, right there. to provide. A woman <laughs> is known <laughs> to be nurture and to make the house a home. These are things that I think naturally God has given to us for a reason, like to, to yeah. build the home in that way. But it doesn't make you... <laughs> It doesn't make you um, less than him or him more than you. It means you're both bringing your attributes, your yeah, your, your talents. Yeah, and, and you're making it work and you're weaving it together and you're making it work. I think in that aspect, when we don't do the same things, but it doesn't mean we're not equal. We're still equal. But the thing is, what Tolly wants to know is who does the dishes and who doesn't. <laughs> no, no, that's not what Tolly wants to think. Don't try to make don't try to paint Tolly to, No, no, no. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what Tolly is saying because I think that I hear. I completely actually hear everything that you're saying, Bim. And I think there was a time when that was the case, and it made sense. So, like, if you go back millions, thousands of years ago, when you know. Like you ha- had to go and kill the animal to, if you wanted to eat or you had to go do X, Y, Z or in fact where you were working in the factories and you needed strength or whatever, like those kind of natural things could come into play. And yes, I think if I was just optimizing my household, okay, if you have a bit more strength, you go do this. If you have a bit more nurturing skills, you go do that. But I think in the 21st century where society has evolved to where actually we're all sitting at a desk in front of a computer it doesn't require any any masculine or nurturing or any kind of those type of skills to actually do a lot of the jobs that we all have right now so in that situation i think we should then kind of think about society and think about our homes and think about what's needed rather than just holding on to oh this is what it was in genesis 1 so that's what it needs to be now. This is why I see, this is where I was saying like it's kind of we're not engaging wisdom. We're not engaging our critical thinking to kind of say if if we wanted to love each other to the utmost, is it loving for me to allow my wife to go to work all day because I now need her to support me to pay the mortgage and then when she comes home I still expect her to be the one to cook, clean and to do all of those things. Is that me loving my wife is that sensible economically for our household is that sensible i think that's why i think we need we we kind of give ourselves an excuse not to actually think about what makes sense and adapt the way we do things i i completely agree with you tolly i think that's why i was a bit like oh i'm not really sure when like i i understand the principle of what you're trying to say bim that like different people bring different things to the table however um it almost seems like the things that you were describing it almost seems like we were going back to those traditional roles and I think yes in a relationship in a partnership people will bring different things to the table however and then making that work for your partnership your family you need to assess each person's strength and apply that as opposed to just saying you're the man, so you're you're stronger, or you're the woman, therefore you're 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 more nurturing, so therefore you do this and you do that. It's gonna look different for every single person and 
um, going back to what Tolly said about applying wisdom, I'm completely, I'm completely there with you. I think we just automatically just go back to the traditional roles, and I don't think that's necessarily helpful. But I feel but that I, the I traditional roles, it's... sorry, the traditional roles will be like. <clears throat> I feel that I thought everybody in their like ethnic backgrounds have kind of like been brought up with the idea that the the woman would look after the how um the home and the man will go out to work. That's the traditional build up of the whole ideal family that was back in the day. But as Tolly was saying now, the world kind of is going in two different well, the way that the world is at the moment, it goes in two different um, ways that the woman actually has like will want to go out and work. I understand cool go out and work as well and the man will go out and work and come back home and do the 50-50 in the house. Because me I'm not scared to put my hand in the in the in the water. I'm not scared to put my hand in the dirty clothes basket and do the washing. Do you know what I mean? I'll sweep down the house. I'll hoover it. All of that. I'm I'm that sort of person that I'd rather keep my house a home than make it uneasy to go. Oh no, no. Do you know what? I've gone out and I've done my work. You've gone out and done your work. You come in and you actually do your your womanly duty. I'm not saying that's a womanly duty, but yeah, I'm not that person to go. You do a womanly duty. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm as man as I am. I'm able to do everything. Do you know what I mean? And build a kitchen. <laughs> and do her hair. <laughs> and that's it. I, <laughs> I um, I get what you guys are saying, but I don't think our natural given abilities is looking at it in a traditional way I think it's looking at it in a biological way like you have been created and designed this way for a reason so why not use that to your strength mm. instead of describing it as can oh, you give examples off of tradition so women in general we are more caring we are more emotional beings that's just how women's makeup is compared to a man so why would you not optimize that in your home and that sometimes may translate into your you're the more you're naturally more nurturing than your husband would be I don't think that means that you're stuck in your ways or it's like tradition I'm just saying oh, like okay. use the strength so I, I think I think household no no I completely to, get that to work I, and I think I think in the in the privileged setting that we are in, I really do think that it's even us being able to have that conversation at that level is a privilege. If you look at other parts of the world where that idea has been taken to the nth degree, it manifests itself as therefore a woman doesn't need to go to the university. Therefore, because her, her job is in the home and that that's probably one of the biggest reasons why a lot of women around the world are actually slaves within their own household they literally cannot escape they do not have the means to even if they got out physically they do not have the means they do not have the education they do not have a job they do not have anything to be able to actually do anything meaningful in society so i i completely i i know that's not where you're going and i know i think we have to recognize that it's the the push that we're talking about is what has got us to where we are now 
to where we have an opportunity to even say yes let's let's leverage the woman's ability to nurture and take care of the home and i think that's fine like we now where we're we're still not there but now that we're getting a bit more equal every household make a decision about what you want to do in my household we actually do what you just described bim you know like steph is way better with every than i am so she does more of the heavy lifting whenever those type things come up but that's something we are doing once steph goes back to work after maternity she is doing her diploma i know i'm gonna have to step up even if it goes against nurture versus blah 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 because that's something we've decided so i just think that's what i do i'm literally like main carer for darius now isn't it Nah, I'm the one taking him to school and all of that. I'm the one picking him up. But then you got Pam. She's still out there doing her work and all that. But 100%. She's 100% better nurturer than me. And Darius is Darius could tell you that for himself. He... I, I get I'm like... Pam gets upset when he's like, you don't like me, 100%. He doesn't. He just puts up with me. That's how it is. <laughs> I'm sure he loves you, Dwayne. He says he loves me. Then he says he doesn't love me. Then says he's joking. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know how it is. Oh, Dwayne's actually hurt by this. He can tell. You would be hurt. But anyways, I, I, I think, I think, like, I think what, what I like about what we're doing though is we're all having a critical conversation about it. And I think that's the important thing for me. And like, wherever you land, like, like I'm completely happy in the 21st century for a woman or a man to have a critical conversation and end up saying, I want to be a housewife or a house husband. I'm happy with that. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that in the least, as long as we can critically have that conversation. I, what I reject is where we are not able to have that conversation because i think that's where disempowerment comes from that's where people start to lose a voice that's where people start to lose a choice and unfortunately that's what we see in a lot of parts of the world i think it's time to that we actually go into kind of a bit more about what pamela's doing because i think stuff that she's doing is is going to be tackling um some of that stuff because unfortunately you know like most most of us hail from one part or the other of africa and that's a place where i think education has and empowerment has such a like a critical role to free that continent um so let's divert a little and learn a bit more about what pamela's doing if that's okay um so do you just want to give us an overview of kind of what you do? What is Revive Congo? Yes. So um, Revive Congo, I started Revive Congo back in 2012. Um, and literally all it was is that in 2011, there was an election going on where um, the former president didn't want to leave. And there was a lot of protesting going on, a lot of killing, um, including little children being killed <clears throat> for protesting. And I remember my husband, who wasn't my husband at the time, he was my boyfriend, um, I was really upset on the phone about it. Um, and I was just like, I can't believe this is going on. I wish I could do something. And he said, you can. Like, think about what you can do in order to make a difference if it's, like, you know, really bothering you. Because it was literally late at night. And I was just like, okay, what can I do? 
Um, and essentially I met up with my mentor um, who connected me with the co-founder as well. And we sat together and we decided that we were going to start an organization that was all about educating and equipping young people between the ages of eight to 21, yeah, the ages of eight to 21 in the DRC and in the UK. So firstly, why we focus on the UK is because we found that a lot of Congolese people, um, specifically children and young people are underachieving. And that's because of major factors such as um, lack of role models or being from a single parent household um, to where they're living. And this basically means that they are underachieving in school, which is quite a concern because a lot of us, including myself, left Congo because of the condition that it was in. We came, you know, to the country as refugees. So it was something that we really needed to to tackle because we wanted to see how we could do something to remind these young people that education is power, education is vital, and that they need to take their education seriously because there are people in Congo who would want to be in their position. So back in 2017, we launched a summer youth program where we teach young Congolese people about the history of Congo, Congo's natural resources, but then we do workshops on education, the importance of education, the importance of managing your finances, entrepreneurship, and also mental health, which, as we know, is a really big thing, especially in the black community. So um, we started doing that back in 2017, and we've got young Congolese professionals that actually lead the workshop. Now, why do we have young Congolese people that lead the workshop? Because a lot of young people are able to relate to people that they can familiarise themselves with. So when they see that they've got lawyers and, um, you know, financial analysts and whatever coming in um, that are Congolese, it not only empowers them, but it makes them feel like them, they too can achieve what they have achieved. So that's how we've tackled um, the whole issue of educating and equipping young people in the UK. Now, back in Congo, um, over 50% of children of primary age are actually out of school and we were just talking about gender equality a lot of young girls are not able to go to school because of this issue that we're discussing number one because when it comes to poverty families are most likely to um, pay for their you know to take the dowry for their child to be married so that they can use it to survive or they may just decide that they want to sell their child into slavery because it is basically slavery when you can't afford to have your child and you get someone who's maybe wealthy is looking for a servant or uh, you know someone to help in their house you then just sell your your child and you mostly sell girls so we saw that this was the case we, we also saw that young people in congo are very much motivated they're very much driven but they don't have the opportunities that we have here so we decided to go back and partner with an amazing organization there that basically um they do this training program for young congolese people who are at university and when they finish they give them a loan like a micro loan i believe that's what we call it now for them to start their own initiative so it could be 50 dollars. they start their own initiative and they start you know selling eggs or doing hair or what what not and what i love about that initiative is that not only does it empower them but the fact that they're given $50 that they have to pay back, it also motivates them to want to, you know, to want to excel and achieve, you know, their desired goals. Um, and in terms of 
practically educating the young people in Congo. Since last year, we've been paying and supporting the schooling of two beautiful orphans. Um, one is five and one is seven. And this year we are looking to add two more primary school children into the programme to support their schooling as well because we want to be a part of, of educating Congolese people. As we know, education is power. Without education, it's very unlikely for them to be able to go down the path of pursuing their desired, um, their desired goal and their desired dream. Um, so that's what we do in a nutshell. I'll stop talking. I feel like I'm, I'm talking loads, but... That's what we do in a nutshell. I, I love, I love uh, what you're saying. Nah, you're literally it. is encapsulating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly. Amazing. That is amazing. Can, can can we break down? Can we first talk about the UK bit? Because I was really interested in hearing that. Because that's like you know on our doorsteps. So what's the like objective? What are you hoping that will happen from what you're doing? So essentially, we're hoping that we can encourage. Congolese, young Congolese people to take their education seriously, to, to not only take it seriously, but to pursue their dreams and their desires. Like I said, like, there's a, there's, although there's not a big, like, Nigeria is a really big community, but if you see it, even on the news, for instance, you'll see that there's Nigerians excelling and doing whatnot all around the world. Let's be honest, in the UK, you'll hear that there's this Nigerian student that has, um, I don't know, done their A-levels and they're 10 years old. So I'm sure that is not yeah. something that, that surprises you, right? With, with young Congolese people, the problem is, is that they, again, are underachieving because they come from a single parent back, background where their dad is not usually around. They may be in the country, but they're not, you know, they're not in their lives per se. So they have their mum working two or three jobs whilst they're at home by themselves. Another major thing is the language barrier where they're obviously we speak French. I know with Nigeria and Ghana and the Caribbean, your first language is probably English or it's a main language. But obviously in Congo, the main language is French. So it's difficult for parents to um, communicate with their children and say, oh, how was school? How can I help? They tend to be embarrassed or they tend to feel like, oh, they can't um, understand the language, so what's the point? So even when it comes to parents, even for instance, they may not understand what the teacher is saying, but they'll just act like, you know, they understand and just leave it as that. So what we're trying to achieve is that we're trying to, we're trying to reduce the statistic that shows that Congolese people are underachieving and boost it, boost it in a way that they achieve and they excel more in education. But not only that, but raise their aspirations as well. Know that they don't have to stick to being a doctor, being a lawyer, uh, or being, you know, a teacher, as their parents would say. Oh, yeah. But actually, you know, go for what they want and come to our youth program and see that there are entrepreneurs there, but they are also finance, you know, people in finance. There are also people in education. But, you know, the world is their oyster. They're in a country where they are able to choose what they wish they for what they wish they want to do um so yeah that's the main objective that's great and that's the summer youth program you're talking about i think summer i should have about yeah. that on your on your website so is is like i can i just understand kind of because what we want is to inspire people to do exactly what you're doing and to kind of take take a hold of a problem so i just wanted to understand kind of like how did you actually go about solving it has it been challenging has it been difficult or was it relatively easy to get going with that? But at the beginning, it wasn't relatively easy because 
we didn't know how to promote ourselves. So I believe the first year we'd done the summer youth program, um, you know, more than 80% of the attendees were our own nephews and nieces, nieces and cousins. But through getting their feedback, you know, they all spoke about how motivated and, and empowering the workshop was. And they gave us feedback and we decided, okay, we will use social media to not only tackle these young people because it's quite unlikely for young people to to see something and be like oh I want to be part of the program but also tackle parents you know people that have younger siblings as well so to be honest the last two years this year we couldn't meet physically because um, of obviously COVID so we went we met via Zoom but the last two years we've been supported and funded by the National Lottery and the majority of our attendees have actually been those who have found out about us via social media and have gone on our website and applied, you know, without any supervision or any prompt promptness from their, their family, which is very, very encouraging. Um, so I will say we are getting to the place where we can see the change. And we don't just do the summer youth program and forget about the young people. We stay in touch with them as well. We see how we can help them and we always give them the contact details of our speakers so that if they um, do want to keep in, in touch, they can always email the speaker and also get some advice. This year, we've done a CV workshop. We've told them that, you know, if ever you need help with your CV, we also sent them a goodie bag with um, like all of this information on how to do your CV. But we've told them if you need help with your CV, if you need help with work experience, let us know. We've had um, former attendees actually intern with us as well. So it has been positive um, and it's going, yeah, so far, so good. That's amazing. That's I was amazing. going to ask, just like following on from that, you've spoken about um, getting attendees, but how easy has it been for you to get work and professionals sort of involved in actually educating and engaging? Do you mean getting the speakers? Yeah. Do you know what? It actually has been very easy. Mm. Why I say that is because a lot of us, especially myself and the speakers, they're always excited to do it because they didn't have the same thing. Mm. So for them to see that there's a youth programme taking place that is free, that is in central London, um, where you can go and network and, you know, connect with other people, they are absolutely, like, happy and just honored to even be a part of it mm. and the speakers always stay connected as well like they've you know they've created relationships through meeting each other through the program so it has been quite easy and especially with the congolese community we're quite close-knit we do have our issues at time every community yeah, does but we're quite close-knit and we're always happy to see how we can help each other so what tends to happen is, let's say we're looking for a speaker for history, we find a history speaker and then we'll say, oh, we're looking for someone who's an entrepreneur. And they'll say, oh, I know this person, here's their number. Do you know what I mean? And then you call them and it's fine. So yeah, they're, they're always willing to help. I love it. That's great. I think like a lot of, as you say, a lot of people want to kind of get involved and give mm. back. It's just about understanding where the, there isn't the infrastructure set up for that or the exactly. schemes around that. So the more schemes like this, the better this mm. is. This is really yeah. good stuff. Because the problem is, I mean, and why it was such a big need as well. You know, there's barely any youth clubs. There's barely any funding for young people. So it's, so it's kind of difficult for young people to even have a place after school for them to do extracurricular activities or even like, for example, I remember when I was growing up, there were so many different things that I was involved in. Like there was always a summer drama school happening that was free 
or like these music classes but now they're very much scarce it's mm. very difficult to find it so i think people are, are happy to go somewhere that is free mm. that they can you know connect with people that are their age and also you know network and, and have fun and get gain something out of it Mm. but it's important mm. it's very very important these young people need it i mean look at social media like it's a mess i'm sorry but i can i can only call it a mess mm. i can only call it a mess like you've got young people there and this is why the suicide rates have increased especially amongst young people because you've mm. got young people that are so distracted and are filled with all of this different WAP, if it's WAP, I don't know what it is, WAP or whatever. They're not focused. When they go back to school, they're not focusing on getting a good grade. They're not focusing on, on thinking about what the next steps are. They're, they're thinking about, okay, when I'm turning 18, I need to go to Turkey to get a BBL. Do you understand? Know so it's important to try and lure them in. And in the summer, in the workshop, we always try and lure them in. Like, we don't make it like a, a teaching environment. We make mm. it, like, very chilled, if that makes sense. Like, it's not just tables all put together. We make it chilled. We get them nice food, you know. We, are, we just have conversations with them. And we're not, like, judgmental. Like, if you see that, like, for example, there's sometimes there's attendees that they want to be there, but they're too busy, like, looking at their phone or whatever. And we'll tell them, you know, get off your phone. You know, you don't need to be on your phone all the time. Like, we do it. We try and educate them subtly as well rather mm-hmm. than judging them and making them feel like there's something wrong with them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And one thing I really love that you... Go on, Ben. No, go, because I've got a question, so you go. No, I was going to say, like, one thing I would love that you mentioned, and I think we've kind of, like... I, was, I just finished listening to Generosity Part 3 and 4. Sorry, guys. Um, wow. You're a bit late. We did that <laughs> two months ago. Um, but again, like on other podcasts that I've been listening to, one thing that's really, um, that's quite topical, especially within like our community at the moment is financial literacy. And I really love that you're incorporating that into everything that you're doing because you're right. Like priorities of use nowadays, is just completely wrong. Like, people are taking loans out to go on holiday. But even young people, but even <laughs> young adults, not yeah. just these young, not just yeah. these people, but even adults, like, our, our thing is to make sure that we have, like, the other day, I remember when I, no, when I gave birth the other day, can you imagine? When I gave birth, <laughs> my friend now called the hospital, and um, the nurse there was like, oh, do you have, I forgot the name, gosh, they're, they're not even, even good looking. These trainers that are like 500 pounds. Yeezys. No, not Yeezys, not Carvella. It's very expensive. They're like these Balenciagas. Yes. So basically, my friend now came. Bear in mind that me, I, I know my friend's account, I know her situation. My friend now came, she was wearing these shoes, and the nurse was like, oh, yeah, you're wearing what I'm wearing. And she was like, yeah, they were 500 pounds. I said, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> 500. You said what? <laughs> Yeah. So you guys are spending five hundred pounds mm. on trainers when we're not even we haven't. I'm not saying that everyone needs to purchase a property. That's a conversation for another day. But we're not thinking about tomorrow. We're not thinking about other mm. things. But we're spending five hundred pounds, and the next week we have no money for food. Mm. Like mm. that is what our priority is, and it's not just these young people. It's us as well that are doing it with Klarna, Clearpay. Again, yes. I'm not saying these things are bad. You can, you know, if you can, if you know how to manage it, mm. go for it. 
but it's a new way of living now. You know, don't pay now, pay later. Pay later. That so that financial literacy thing, it's so important because even the other day, like as a team, we met up, um, the Revive Congo team, and we were just like, gosh, we wish we had used our student loan differently, you know? We mm. wish we had done these things differently. Oh. So, we and, so we try and drill it into the, young, the mind of young people and say, please invest. Like, it's not just about property, but what, you know, what business idea do you have? Anything small, even if it's just doing hair or whatever, how can you invest, you know? Because as we can see, especially in COVID, no one knew that 2020 was going to be like this. No one. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we've seen that people that have had different streams of income have been winning, yes. you know? So yes. what, what, can we tell, what, what can we tell our young people? What can we show them? Do you know what I mean? This yeah. is so good because I feel like there's a real lack of financial education in our curriculums in schools. Mm -hmm. So you're actually filling a gap right here because in schools, you're kind of groomed to, you know, get good grades and go and work a job, work yeah. a nine to five job and then work 40 years of your life and then retire for the however many years yeah. of what you saved in your pension. There's no real drive and emphasis on actually you can start a business, you yeah. can produce, you can, you know, yeah. start something. So I really like what I'm hearing it like you're really filling the gap here, like educating these young people. And we're I was trying to ask you. Oh sorry, um, I was gonna say don't get me wrong. Like there's nothing wrong, as we said, there's nothing wrong with doing a nine to five. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be a nurse or being a teacher. Yeah. There's nothing like those are all still really fantastic things. Yeah. But is there any way that you can have another stream of income whether it just be doing extra tutoring if that makes sense or yeah. you know being not only just working for the nhs but also working for a private practice do you know what i'm trying to say like mm. these are all of these things that we want them to be thinking about at such a an, not an early age but at the right age yeah. sorry you had a question i was gonna ask you what what would you say is the most challenging thing because your your um charity you're involved in a lot of lives and a lot of young people's personal lives and I guess that must take some sort of emotional toll on you at times what would you say is the most challenging thing like from that experience that you had to deal with look I could even get emotional now because basically we were supposed to be in Congo this year of course we couldn't go because of COVID so I'll tell you the story about of two of the orphans that we are um, sponsoring at the moment one is called Christian one is called Brunel so with Christian, he is five now. Um, but again, because you don't know, you don't have their birth certificates, the, um, the lady who runs the orphanage just has to kind of give them an age. But he's roughly four or five. And um, basically with Christian, his mum had him when she was at school. And I think, she, I believe she tried to abort it. She tried to get rid of him or whatever. She couldn't. So when she gave birth, she just dropped him at the orphanage and that was it. Now, with Brunel, oh, okay, let me get it together. With Brunel, basically, she, her, both of her parents passed away. Um, her uncle took care of her, but her uncle's wife was abusing her physically, and, you know, it was just really bad. So the uncle decided to send her to the orphanage and say, you know, please, because my wife is not treating her well, I want her to have, you know, a different life. I don't want her to be abused anymore. So now recently we sent her to a really good school in, in Kinshasa because although Congo have done this new law where education is now free, it only applies to public schools and public schools are not so great. Why? Because if you miss a payment, for instance, they may not do, they may not um, 
do their exams and sometimes because teachers are not paid on time teachers can refuse to can refuse to teach so some there's been occasions at public schools where teachers haven't been paid by the government for three four five six months Mm -hmm. So they decide to start charging double or triple to the parents. So we decided to send her to a private school. The other day, because she's lost a lot of weight, and we asked, I asked our volunteer in Kinshasa to find out what's going on, if you could just like take her aside and just speak to her. She said that she was bursting out crying. She was in tears because the new school that she's at um, the, the 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 children keep on calling her a thief. Um, they keep on saying that keep on saying horrible things about her, pushing her, saying that she's an orphan, that she doesn't belong here. And she was crying because she was saying it just reminds her that she's an orphan and that, you know she's already gone through a lot and it's just traumatized her. And that for me, like it just done something to me emotionally because I'm just like we didn't send her to the school for her to be treated like that. We sent her there because we want her to have you know, a good opportunity. We want her to have good schooling. But then now she's had this um, experience that's made me feel so horrible. You know, that's made me feel so like, oh my gosh, like, why is this happening? When we were trying to do something better. So, but the thing is, I always have to remember to put my emotions aside at times and focus on solutions. Because if I always do things based on emotions, I will just cripple myself. I'll just cry and be like, oh, Brunel, but I won't think about solutions. I won't think about the best Mm -hmm. thing to do. So so moving forward, myself and um, the co-founder are going to be having a, a meeting tomorrow to talk about solutions. And that's all we can do, talk about solutions. But when you do hear the stories of these children, of the people that we're helping, it can be very... It can be emotionally draining, sorry, and also mm-hmm. emotionally taxing because sometimes it's also like, what's the point? Like, if if this is happening, like, are we really going to make a difference? Are we really going to change um, the lives of people in Congo? Does does our drop in the water do anything? But mm-hmm. as you know, and as I, I believe this is all about, this is all about seeing how we can do what God has called us to do. And if yeah. God has called me to to do this assignment, no matter how big or small I think it is, all I can do is walk in obedience and, and, you know, do what he's called me to do. Because to be frank, I've done law because I wanted to be a corporate solicitor. Do you know what I'm trying to say? That's (laughs) what I was about. I wanted to make the money. Uh, But (laughs) honestly, when I was 19, God, that's why I them dropper. I was at the, another university before I came to Essex. Yes, I, yes, I didn't yeah. like that. No, I need to go to Essex. I need to. So then, when I'm now moving to Essex, that's when God dropped to revive Congo and me. And obviously, do, it's not that I can't become a corporate solicitor, but it's kind of like changed my mm. kind of path. Yeah. So I'm now thinking yeah. about how I can do things more human rights related and mm. international mm. development kind of related. But yeah, to answer your question. It can be difficult, it can be emotional, but I always have to remind myself to go into solution mode. Go into solution mode. What can I do? How can I make it better? Yeah. And I think you um, having that emotion and that, you know, burden in your heart, it kind of drives you to actually make that change and, you know, have that impact. So I think it's there for a reason. Of course, of course. Even it can be draining and taxing at times, but, you know, just hearing those stories, it's like, wow, yeah, the work that you're doing, the lives that you're changing and the impact that you're having in these young people's lives, like, it's definitely going to make a difference and they're going to have a legacy that would then make a difference. So like you said, it's um, a ripple effect. So... Yeah. Can I can I ask a, a question that would be probably strange to answer because 
like something we've talked about a few weeks. Actually, our, the last series of our podcast um, was about love for strangers and mm-hmm. loving people kind of outside of your country or people. And kind of we got to a place where you need to you need to actually love people before you can actually make a difference in their lives. And from hearing yes. just that story that you just gave, you can mm. tell that you actually care mm. about yeah. the people you're helping. And I was just like, how did you develop that? Because especially for the diaspora living so far away from all this, we don't see it day by day. It's hard to connect sometimes with the issues that mm. are going on around the world. So, I would say it's God because even going back to Revive Congo, so before we started helping the orphans, um, I remember my myself and my co-founder, who's also a Christian, which just makes life amazing, we like fasted. And then I remember God gave us a scripture in Isaiah, I believe. And it says, you know, that I, I will use you to bring good news to the, to the poor. And literally that was the, when we were fasting, that that's what happened. Um, God literally dropped that into my spirit. And I remember opening, cause I, you know, sometimes when God tells you to go to a scripture, is it just me? Sometimes you feel like, oh, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Do, do you guys feel like that sometimes? Yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. No, it was definitely my, no. And then <laughs> I went to the scripture and I was like, whoa. And I've no, and the, the thing is, how do I love strangers? To answer your question, it's actually God. Because he's kind of done something to me. The, you know, the closer you are to God and the closer you are um, to just d- doing your, the work that he's called you to do, he really does know how to change your heart mm-hmm. and make you care about the things that he cares about. So mm-hmm. it's like, so the things that break his heart break my heart. The things mm-hmm. that he cares about, I care about. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I get annoyed, if that makes sense. Not with the children or everything, but sometimes I get annoyed with people that I should love in the world. Mm-hmm. Maybe my neighbours annoy me. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. But I think it's God that really changed my heart and, and made it in a way that when I look at Brunel and Christian, they're like my children. They're my babies. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just like my son, literally. So when I, when I heard about what was going on with Brunel, it made it made me feel like she's my daughter. She this is happening to my my own child, and the and fact that I can't go to Congo him. because yeah, and the fact that I can't go to mm-hmm. COVID. I mean, go to Congo and give her a cuddle because of COVID is so frustrating because that's what I was you know supposed to do. But it's like it's God. It's God that's made me have this kind of desire and this love for them as if they are my own children. If that makes sense. You know what I really love about what you've just said? Because I think we always, we've had this like debate previously that it almost seems like the more you obey the will of God, the more God transforms your heart. And that's what it's all about. Like sometimes, I know we always say that it goes back to the heart, but it's evident that sometimes you you just need to start and then God continues to work on your heart and begins to draw draw you closer to him the more you obey his, his will. And I think that's just so beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Um, because you've, you've already started talking about that, I kind of want to talk a bit more about what you're doing in Congo. Mm-hmm. Um, because when people think about all the problems across Africa, sometimes it feels overwhelming. So I like what you kind of said about, you know, you're just doing your part, you're doing your little bit. But how easy or hard was it to actually kind of make those connections and actually get something going? Back home in Congo. It wasn't easy. The first few years wasn't easy because 
although we started this in 2012, we actually started going to Congo officially to do Revive Congo work in 2017. So it wasn't easy because obviously we had to, I remember we contacted so many different organizations in Congo to say, you know, this is what we're doing in the UK. We really want to connect with you. Some people responded, some people didn't, only a few responded. And then when we went to Congo, it felt like with some organizations, it just felt like they wanted to just take advantage of the fact that we're from Europe and that we can just help them without actually help them, helping them help themselves, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it was very, very difficult. How we've been able to do it better now is um, we have um, three, actually, we've got three um, volunteers that are based in Kinshasa now because we're currently based in Kinshasa, the capital city. And that makes life so much easier, actually having people on the ground. And we don't pay them. They just love the, what the work that we're doing and, we lo- and they love... Um, to support the work that we do and although we don't pay them we pay for their transport we pay for their food and we're also giving them experience so having people on the ground has helped because before it was quite challenging for instance with now let's say we couldn't obviously now we haven't been able to go to Congo if we didn't have any young if we didn't have any volunteers there we wouldn't have been able to for example go and speak to Brunel go and get someone to speak to Brunel to find out how school is or even find out, for example, that the orphanage has had no water for two weeks. They've had to, the children have had to go and wash in the river um, before school. So we wouldn't have known that and wouldn't have been able to quickly send money to pay for their water bill. So having people on the ground has helped. And also that, that keeping that constant communication flow in. So when I say constant communication, it doesn't have to be weekly. But there's some organisations that are in Congo that we work with and we try and touch base with them if it's not you know monthly but every two months every three months every six months just to see you know how they're going just to make sure that we have that connection and that Mm -hmm. you know that conversation going because essentially where we want to land and where we're trying to go is we're trying to actually create a youth center in congo in order to train young people so what Mm -hmm. what our dream and our vision is is to have a place where young people can come after school or on the weekend and they can be trained on how to um, use the sewing machine to sew or how to use the computer or they can even use it in a, as a space to do homework. So that's something that we really want to do because we really want it to be a place where they can be trained and, and um, be, you know, not only, not only work on education but work on things that they, that they need. Like, for example, with IT, there'll be computers there for them to use the computer for them to learn it and also be taught English as well. So that's something that we want to do and we wouldn't have been able to do it without having volunteers in Kinshasa. That's amazing. Uh, I, I, I really like that. I don't know if any of you heard of Fred Swanaker. He's a, he's an, he's an African, um, uh, educational entrepreneur and he, he has a Ted talk. I really recommend giving it a listen and he was just talking about like the future of the continent of Africa and he, he is spread across the whole continent is is dependent on building up a, just a new set of good leaders like we just need a new set of what was the name I'm just gonna Fred Fred Swanica okay and Fred. basically what he's done is he's actually set up um, an African leadership academy which is kind of like uh like a, I think it's like a university level um, 
thing and he's setting up campuses in multiple countries across across the continent and the whole purpose is to train up the future leaders because I think something he said that was so powerful was in countries like like the UK or developed countries like the leaders are actually quite weak like the leaders because of the strong institutions even if the leaders wanted to kind of do something crazy, the institutions around them would stop them from doing those things. But in some of the countries in Africa, the leaders are extremely powerful because they don't have those institutions. Like a single individual can make or break the whole country. Like Zimbabwe is an example. It was on the rise, like big time. And then Robert Mugabe just decided to go crazy and single-handedly the country put the country in a mess so he's just saying like the future of that continent is dependent on the pedigree of leaders and he sees education as kind of the way like but not just so i like what you were saying it's not just about educating them in kind of western science and stuff it's about educating them in things that they just in their own history African livelihood, you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's about h- how we do things, what's mm. needed for for us and our base, so that we can kind of pull ourselves out of the rut. So I really really like what you're doing because it sounds like very much in that vein, and I think that is genuinely the, the the way the way out of a lot of the problems that we see. I'm so inspired by you. Yeah, I'm absolutely. I was going to say, you don't want them to feel like they need to come. Because even when I speak to my cousins, they feel like they need to come to Europe in order to have a better life. And the Mm -hmm. truth is, Europe, and I always tell them, look, Europe has changed. Like, forget about coming to Europe. Let's see how we can make this place better. And the only way that Africa is going to get better is if we, like, if some of us sacrifice ourselves and decide to go there, but also if we train the people that are there and empower them, equip them for them to be the future leaders because mm-hmm. there's no point of us all go come in here and then who's going to be taking control of our own country? Do you know what I mean? Our exactly. continent. So we're, we're really trying our best to just do what we can and really, you know, even for, for instance, we are in the process of um, building connections with people from different sectors so hotels hospitals um restaurants and all of these in different sectors why because we want to build a relationship with them so that when our young adults are whilst they're at university if they're interested in for example hospitality we can um what do you call it connect them with someone who is a hotel manager tell them to do two weeks worth of experience and the great thing is is let's say that that hotel is recruiting what they'll do is they'll want to recruit someone that they've already trained rather than recruit mm-hmm. someone that is new. Yes. So that's something that we're trying to do as well because we're not oblivious of the fact that people have different aspirations. Not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. You know, some people want to go into admin, you know, um, yeah. they want to become nurses and stuff like that. So we're trying to build um, connections all across the board to see how we can better connect our young adults as well. Amazing. If someone's listening to this and they want to support you, support your organisation, what can they do? How can they how can they get involved? So our website, www.revivecongo.org. You can find out about all that we do there. You can donate. Um, so we do this £2 a month regular giving donation to support the schooling of the young children. Or you can give a one-off donation. You can fundraise or you can hold an event. 
um, where you talk to people about Revive Congo and you can also invite us to come and speak. Well, great. Just like, yeah, I think I've been inspired. I love so good. For real, I pray, I praise God for for you listening to the call. When you said that scripture, my my heart just left because that's the scripture <laughs> that we we founded this mission on as well. Like it's wow. that, that, that <laughs> Isaiah is just like it's it's the, it's about practical good news. Bring the actual good news. Mm, it's yes. not about talking about it. It's about bring the actual good news to the mm. poor, to the vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really like what you're doing, and we hope you become a friend of the show. Mainly because yeah. I want some of that Ooh. chicken that everyone's Because now we can't meet up, uh, meet up anyway because I think the new rule is yeah. imagine most of people so up. Oh. I could always drive by your window. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Hey, palms touch, drive through. Palms <laughs> touch. <laughs> I mean, that like could be your side hustle. That's it. Always looking for a new avenue. Listen, my son is already a side hustle because it's even more than a side hustle. I can't do nothing, nothing but the way that I balance it is just, I don't know how I do it sometimes, but it's only God, to be honest. Yeah. It's only God. <laughs> no, but thank you. I'm definitely going to be tuning in. Thank, thank you. you so much for oh, coming wait, wait, on. Wait, wait, I'm so, yeah. sorry again for being late. Sorry again. Sorry again. It's all right. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, it was worth yeah. it. I, was I'm, I'm I was thinking. I'm parents on here because you understand. Well, of course. You know that that's I'm not making excuses, so I'm happy. That's it. I was thinking secretly, like, she better come through to make this all worth it. And trust me, you have. Yeah. It's all, it's all been more than worth it. Yeah. It has, it has, it has, it has, it has. Thank you so much, Pam. I'm conscious yeah. of the time. Thank it's past yeah. seven now. I don't want to take up more of your time than we awesome. said. But we'll definitely, please, please, like, so do we go, I, I, I want to I wanna support your organization. So is it to go to your website or? Yeah, go to our website and you can always give a one-off donation or you can do a regular donation, whatever you like, www.revivecongo.org. And you can follow us on social media as well. We are quite active. Um, we've got, there's a team of 14 of us actually. So I don't want to take all of the credit. My team is absolutely amazing, like amazing. So we've got our social media team, um, our fundraising team, our Revive Congo project workers as well. So yes, if you go on our social media, you'll be able to, to see some of them and you'll be right. able to see Christian and Brinnell as well. Yeah, I, I think I already saw them. I like, yeah. I, I, I saw a couple yeah. of pictures of them. Because we sent them what are, your, what are your social media handles? And you have to be Congolese to get involved. You know, we've had Nigerians. We actually had someone called Tolu who was Nigerians are everywhere. Sierra <laughs> Leone and even with our youth program, we have Guardians who come and um, people from different parts of Europe. So it's not just for Congolese young people and um, it's open to people that want to just bring their friends who are not from Congo as well. So they can benefit and hear about mental health, financial um, literacy, and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, just lift them all up, innit? Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's, it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Oh, step okay. by step. Well, thank you so much, Pamela. We really appreciate thank you. you. Thank, thank you for having me.